And today's class is a little different than I had advertised last week. I changed it up a little bit. Last week I said it would be all about Yom Kippur. And in the end, since we're actually coming up to Rosh Hashanah, I actually have a class which is going to connect uh, all the holidays together. And of course, that would be best done before Rosh Hashanah so that we can have them all together. And hopefully I'll see if I can pull off another class before Yom Kippur dedicated specifically to Yom Kippur. That being said, a large feature of this class is about Yom Kippur. So <clears throat> we'll start with um, one of my favorite songs. And uh, this is called, um, let me share it with you on the screen so you, can, so you know what to look up for on YouTube. And um, this is called, I'm Taking Off, okay? This is a Jewish parody, it's called I'm Taking Off. Apparently there's another song called Shake It Off, apparently famous. So he made a song, I'm Taking Off. It's all about this uh, Orthodox guy and uh, every single day he's uh, taking off for another holiday. And uh, so it's, 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 this guy's a Hasidic comedian, he's pretty funny. And uh, he calls himself the Lupola Rebbe. It's not really what he looks like. So every, you know, he's always, he's always taking off for holidays and running out of the office. And that's kind of what a lot of people feel like when they hear about our Jewish holidays. Like, you're, wait, you're, you're taking off and then you're taking off again and you're taking off again and you're taking off again. And when you think about it, you, you think like, couldn't God have gotten like a better party planner maybe? Like somebody who could, uh, somebody who could really uh, figure this out instead of, uh, you know, somebody who could figure out, you know, let's space the holidays a little bit. We'll, you know, we'll do Rosh Hashanah and then the, maybe you need to do Yom Kippur right afterwards, but Sukkot, Samchat Torah, for sure you got to move. You know, what's going on over here? It's just every week there's a holiday that's off. And um, the answer is, of course, that God knows what he's doing. Uh, we all knew that, of course, before I told you that, but God knows what he's doing. And if he's putting a bunch of holidays together, there's a reason. And the reason behind that, oh, one second. And the reason behind that is very simple, is that they're all connected. It's one long journey. You cannot separate one from the other. And therefore, you know, a lot of people celebrate one holiday and not the other. They might do Rosh Hashanah. Some people like the dinner with the family. Some people like Yom Kippur. They like the fasting for whatever reason. Some people like sitting in a, in a hut. Some people do it all year. You know, they, they like the outdoor weather. Some people come for some Torah. They like uh, L'chaim. I mean, they like dancing. Um, so everybody comes for something different. Uh, but really, if you want the full experience, you should be celebrating all of the holidays because they're one continuum. And uh, the way we're, it's described to us is it's actually kind of like a lengthy, um, it's like, imagine you're told you've got a day in the king's, you get, you got a day in the king's uh, treasure house. And while you're there, you get to pack your bags and the rest of the year you get to empty it. You know, if you get only a day there, you're going to pack it very hastily. And then when you get, when you get out, you're going to unpack it. So similarly, it says, this is the month it's called Chodesh HaShavii and Hebrew is called the seventh month. Now in Hebrew, every word is important. So the seventh month Shavii also comes from the root word savea, which means satiated, full. And so it says that the seventh month, the month of Tishrei, is a full month. We're very full. We get very filled of everything that's in there. And then we take all the things that we fill up in our suitcase and we unpack it for the rest of the year. And so we need to take this time of year, follow that journey so that it goes in a nice continuum. And then we unpack all of that throughout the rest of the year. So for example, 
uh, joy, the joy you gather in Simchat Torah, you unpack it the rest of the year. It's just one example. One thing I do want to mention in today's class, we're actually going to discuss today, the holidays, we're going to discuss the holiday of um, Rosh Hashanah, the holiday of Yom Kippur, and the holiday of uh, Simchat Torah. Simchat Torah is the end of Sukkot. We're not going to discuss Sukkot, and um, I'll give a reason for why when we get there. But uh, under, and it's, uh, obviously I could give a class where we could discuss them all, but um, limited time and, and there are reasons. Um, but regardless, um, let's, let's jump right into this. Let's jump right into uh, exploring the holiday and uh, all about it. So I'm gonna share my screen so you can see. Um, so today's, so again, today we're discussing the journey of the holidays, the commitment of Rosh Hashanah, the emotional connection of Yom Kippur and the intellectual integration of Simchat Torah. This map was outlined by the Samach Sedeks of the Tur Chabad Rebbe, recounted by the previous Rebbe and explained by the Rebbe. So let's take a look. We're going to start off with a quote from a Mishnah. Mishnah is the seminal teachings of the oral traditions. And in the Mishnah, the most famous Mishnayot are what's called Ethics of Our Fathers. Has everybody heard of Ethics of Our Fathers over here? Ethics of Our Fathers is um, it's a part of the Mishnah that discusses the ethics, not just the law. And in Ethics of Our Fathers, um, obviously it discusses ethics. And it's read typically during the summer, in the summer months. And so it's, it's a section that even if you don't learn, let's say, the, the nitty-gritty Mishnah, in other words, the Mishnahs that talk about nitty-gritty law, many people have learned Perkei about ethics of our fathers because the ethics are something that everybody appreciates. So here is one such Mishnah that we're going to base our class off of. And the Mishnah goes like this. Uh, Rabbi Shimon said, there are three crowns, the crown of Torah, the crown of priesthood, and the crown of kingship. But the crown of good names supersedes them all. Uh, for a second, I thought it said super spreader. You know, I think we're, we're seeing these words too much. Uh, the crown of good names supersedes them all. So there's three crowns. At a simple level, it means there's a crown of Torah. Let's say Moses was a person who was crowned with the Torah. There's the crown of priesthood. You had Aaron, the high priest, or whoever the priests are, they have a crown of priesthood. You have a crown of kingship. Obviously, a king has a crown. King David, King Solomon. But then there's the crown of good name. And that's something that you don't have to be born into to be, right? To be a Kohen, you have to be born into it. To even be a king, really, at this point, you have to be born into the divinity, to, to, to King David. The crown of Torah, in a sense, you need to be very wise. But the crown of a good name, which supersedes them all, is one that's available to everybody. And that's the simple meaning of the Mishnah, is that to have a good name, that people can respect you, and you can be a respectable person, that's the most important thing. And that's the thing that anybody can, can get. But our focus today is actually going to be how, obviously, if Rabbi Shimon is giving us teaching, he's not just coming here to tell us that the crown of good name is the only thing we can get, but we can get all four of them. So we can get the crown of Torah, the crown of priest, and the crown of kingship. And actually, we're going to describe how all the holidays will lead us to get all of these crowns culminating with the crown of good name. So we're going to sort of speak, frame the discussion of the holidays within these three crowns and how it leads to the fourth crown. This is really what Hasidic philosophy does. Hasidic philosophy shows how everything in Judaism is connected. And what may look to you as just the Mishnah about 
being a good person and getting a good name is also a message of a journey that each and every single one of us can have. And that the order over here is also important. You know, when you read a secular book, the order that it's written is not necessarily important, right? You wanna give over the general idea. The, the detail on how it's written is not important. When it comes to Torah, every detail how it's written is important. If you study the Talmud, it analyzes the Torah back and forth. Why is this word written before that word? When you study the Talmud, it analyzes the Mishnah. Why is this word written before that word? In Judaism, not just the content, but the order is important. And so we're going to discover today how this order of these three crowns, culminating the fourth crown, is actually the journey that we can all take during the holidays and how meaningful that can be. So again, I gave you the simple meaning of the Mishnah, and now we're going to delve deeper into it. So we're going to start here with a teaching of the Tzanaf Sadiq, was the third Chabad Rebbe. And he said, simply put, the crown of kingship, that was the first crown, represents Rosh Hashanah. This harkens back to our discussion from the previous weeks. In Rosh Hashanah, we coronate God as king. Okay. The crown of priesthood reflects Yom Kippur. For those who know Yom Kippur, the holiday of Yom Kippur in the temple, the main feature of the holiday of Yom Kippur was the high priest. That if you actually read the prayer service, the or the prayer service of Yom Kippur, it discusses all about the high priest's service in the temple. If we go back to temple times, actually, um, we, the people, didn't do much on Yom Kippur aside from fasting. The, the Kohen Gadol, the priest, would do most of it, and it's something I'm going to discuss soon. And the crown of Torah represents Shemini Yatzer and Simchat Torah, obviously, because that's when we complete reading the Torah. So we can see clearly how all these three crowns are related to the holidays. Crown of kingship, Rosh Hashanah, quite obvious. Crown of priesthood, Yom Kippur, all about the priest. Crown of Torah, Simchat Torah. The Torah is completed. And the final crown, the crown of good name, that is what comes after we complete everything else. That's what, so to speak, continues through the rest of the year. So if you get the first three crowns after the holiday season, then you'll get to the crown of good name, which obviously the crown of good name comes from doing good actions. Nobody ever said, well, that guy's so wise. Oh, he's such a nice guy, right? <laughs> wise people are not always so nice. It's not always related. Um, and so the crown of good name is related to action, which is the rest of the year. So um, let's unpack this. We're going we're gonna to take it one step at a time. So again, we, to reiterate, we have the holiday season. We understand if God put them all together, there's, there's a theme to them. Hasidic philosophy has said there's a Mishnah, which has a simple meaning talking about crowns and how everybody can get a crown of good name. That Mishnah can also be understood as a message of the journey of the holidays. And so we're now going to unpack that and we're going to discover that journey. And we're going to start first with Rosh Hashanah, then Yom Kippur, and then Simchat Torah, and then how that translates to the rest of the year. So we're going to start with the crown of kingship. The crown of kingship, that was the first one, as we said, obviously refers to Rosh Hashanah. If you were here in the past classes, uh, we actually brought, I believe, this text, or maybe we didn't, but this is the Talmud tells us, the Holy One, blessed be he, said, recite before me Rosh Hashanah verses that mention kingships, remembrances, and shofrot, kingships so that you will crown me as a king over you, remembrances so that you, your remembrance will rise before me for good, and with that, and with what will the remembrance rise, will rise with the shofrot. So Rosh Hashanah is obviously about kingship, proclaiming God as king. You can see this in the liturgy of the high holidays, which we discussed extensively last week. We had a whole section of kingship on the high holidays. If you look at this paragraph that I put here on the screen, it talks about God's glory and kingship, 
O God, our God of our fathers, reign over the entire world with your glory. Be exalted over all the earth in your splendor. Reveal yourself in the majesty of your glorious might over the inhabitants of your terrestrial world. May everything that has been made know that you made it. May everything that has been created understand that you created it. And may everyone who has breath of life in their nostrils declare that God, the Lord God of Israel is king and his kingship has dominion over all. Now, I realized I didn't share that on the screen, but that's okay. <clears throat> Should have stopped me though. Um, so next time, next time. Um, so it's, it's, it's a heavy theme in the liturgy of Rosh Hashanah, proclaiming God as king. Now, why is that part of the heavy theme of the liturgy? As we mentioned last week, because Rosh Hashanah is not the day the world's created, but actually the day mankind is created. And until mankind was created, God could not be proclaimed as king. Why not? The animals cannot proclaim God as king. They have no free will. Even angels cannot proclaim God as king. They don't have free will either. Um, the example is given as it says, you cannot be a king over ants. You can't be a king over rabbits. You can be a ruler over rabbits. You can be a ruler over ants. In other words, you can force them into doing, you can be a dictator, right? You can be a dictator, but you can't be a king, a leader. You can't be a king. Uh, a king has to be related to his subjects. There has to be some relationship and the subjects have to have some level of free will. And the subjects ideally proclaim their king as a king. That's what they do. They bow down before the king. They're saying, oh, mighty king, you're proclaiming the person as a king. Um, today, we kind of don't really think of that as kings because we, we know throughout history all the different kings that there were, and some of them were more like dictators. But there were kings who were real kings. You just have to go back to King David and King Solomon and uh, King Saul. Those are the real types of kings we're talking about. Even you might say the Queen of England is kind of a, a real queen to an extent. She doesn't have real power, so to speak, but she's somebody that all the people look up to and want her to be the queen. And they have the choice to not have her as queen if they wanted to. In fact, at one point they overthrew the monarchy, but they couldn't fully get rid of it or they didn't want to get rid of it. So they, they kept part of it. So the idea is that if God is to be king, God can only be king over people, people who have the choice and people who can think about it. And people will say, I want you, God, to be our king. For God to be a ruler and a dictator, he could do that easily. He doesn't need us. But the first time God could be king is when he created us. And so that's why Rosh Hashanah is the day of kingship. Um, so what does that mean to me? Okay, so that's a very general idea. So in order for God to be king, he needs people. But what does that mean to me in my life? So this is the first step we have in the holidays. Let's read over here. The crown of kingship refers to the act of accepting God's sovereignty, kabbalat ol. That's a very important Hebrew word, kabbalat ol. Kabbalat ol means accepting the yoke, accepting the yoke of God. This is the first matter a Jew should undertake, the commitment to be a servant of the Almighty. This constitutes one's first connection with godliness. So a very interesting line. Your first connection with godliness is accepting God's sovereignty. It's not understanding God. It is not appreciating God. It's not understanding what he's telling you. It's accepting that you are his servant and he is the king. At a very basic level, you understand he's, he's the king of the world and you must submit yourself before him. Today, we, we, today we, we don't look at it like that anymore. We don't think that's the first step anymore because 
today all relationships, a lot of them are about first you have to understand, you know, even children and parents, right? Today, parents can't tell their children to do anything, right? First, the children have to understand, they have to appreciate the parent, and they have to be explained why they have to do the dishes. You go back in the day, the first step is the kids have to know they have to listen to the parents. That's the first step. Then they can understand and appreciate what the parents are telling them and understand and appreciate that their parents are doing good for them. I think maybe some, we parents lost the right because maybe some of the parents were too abusive. I'm not sure how, what happened over there. It could be that was part of the problem. But nonetheless, uh, really that, and that is really what the Torah, the Torah's view of, of, uh, of parenting is, is that honor your father and mother, fear your father and mother, uh, or fear your mother and father. Um, in other words, the first step of a relationship with your parents is these are your parents, you must listen to them. That's the first step. And so the first step in our relationship with God, before we get to understanding God, before we get to appreciating God, God is God. <laughs> Simply put, God is God. God is the king. You, you need to submit to him. And sometimes I look at it also just from a very simple perspective is until there's an entity that you uh, believe is there and exists, there's nothing to start with. In other words, you can't just start appreciate somebody you don't believe exists. You know, So just accepting that there is God is the first step. Accepting that God is the king, that's the first step. After that, you can come to appreciate him. Um, but the first step is, is to say there is a God and he is the king of the world. And I accept him and I undertake to be his servant. That is the first step of, uh, of our relationship with God. Now, today we all like to say, well, the first step should be love. Now, again, there's always, what do we say, life hacks. You know, um, there's, there's the proper way it should start. And then there's sometimes people may have gotten from their childhood. They may have gotten uh, uh, the wrong idea of what it means to fear God. You know, maybe they were spoken too much about the, get, you know, getting punished and stuff like that. So sometimes it's a triggering word. So we talk about the loving God, but really the awe of God and the fact that God is king is the first step. Just like a child has to know there's a parent, you listen to the parent. Our first step should be, this is God. We need to submit ourselves and listen to God. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is about. When you look at Rosh Hashanah, it's about accepting God as king. It's not about understanding who God is, and appreciating and understanding the commandments. We don't sit all day studying. We sit all day and we say, God, you are king. We submit ourselves to you. That's the first step. That is Rosh Hashanah. That is the crown of kingship. That's the first step. And that's the first step in our relationship with God. So you're already seeing how this is a journey. But then there's a, the next step in our relationship with God. None of us would like to remain at that level of relationship with God. None of us would like to remain at that level of relationship with a parent. Nobody would like to just have a relationship with their parent that you're my parent, I listen to you. You're God, I have to listen to you. That would not be a great long-term relationship. And so now we turn to the next crown, the crown of priesthood, which refers to Yom Kippur. So how does this, how does Yom Kippur further and deepen our journey of our relationship with God? So let's take a look. And this time, I believe I'm actually sharing the screen. Okay, yeah, okay, good. So um, it says like this. But accepting God's sovereignty will not suffice. The Jews' ultimate goal is to become one with God. And this is not achieved by merely accepting God's sovereignty. A person who lives with this commitment remains separate from God. He doesn't identify with the commandments of the master. He only fulfills them out of obligation. Therefore, Rosh Hashanah is followed by the service of Yom Kippur. When the high priest enters the Holy of Holies, the home of the tablets with the Ten Commandments, 
Ten Commandments were not written on the tablets because in writing, the ink and the parchment are two separate entities. So I'm just going to pause here to explain what's going on here. So on, on, the, on the holiest day of the year, the high priest would enter the holiest room in the world. And the holiest room in the world was an inner chamber within the, tab, in the temple. And in that room was the holy ark. Uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, they're still looking for it. But the, the holy ark was there. And uh, inside the ark, what, what would be the holiest thing to be in the ark would be the Ten Commandments, the tablets. The tablets of God were in there. And so, so to speak, the pinnacle of everything of Yom Kippur is the tablets because the, the room, what makes the room holy is the ark. What makes the ark holy is the tablets. So the tablets are the pinnacle. So what's the message of the tablets? The message of the tablets is tablets are not like a Torah scroll. A Torah scroll, the letters and the parchment are two separate things. They are, you can peel the letter, you can peel the ink if it dried well, you can peel the ink off of the scroll. But tablets are not the same. Instead, the Ten Commandments were etched into stone, becoming one and the same. And you cannot separate the words from the tablets. The tablets and the words are one and the same. In our own lives, this means the attempt to make our connection with God not only one out of obligation and acceptance, but one in which we becomes one in which it becomes a part of who we are and what we desire and enjoy. So it's not enough to say I submit myself to God. Because then there's God and then there's me and I have no desire really for him, except I understand that he's God. I understand my parent. I have to listen to my parent, but I have no desire for it. And so the next step is to create a desire. Let's say the child appreciating the parent. Uh, us appreciating God, understanding a little bit more about God. Appreciating who God is, coming to understand. Here we get into the love of God and the awe of God and understanding how he created me and how he constantly created me and all the study that we have about God that's all to appreciate within us an appreciation for God so that we say, oh, this is the wonderful God. I will, I will do anything for him. It's, it's not forced upon me. It's something I want to do. When you come, you know, the, 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 the Tanya explains it in many places. The Tanya, the classical Hasidic book, describes it. If someone were to truly appreciate God, you would run to do what God wants. You wouldn't have to be convinced. You'd be running because God is your life. God is who you are. He gives you the existence every moment. Who wouldn't want to do what God wants? And sin, when you realize sin is taking the godly energy in me and, and pulling it to something that God doesn't want me to do, it's like, um, uh, I don't want to bring, it's not a, not a very, I, I don't know. It's like taking taking your parents' money and doing something they wouldn't want you to do with it, right? Let's say you got a credit card from your parents, you're, you're off in school, and you take it and you go buy drugs, right? Think about it. You're taking your parents' money and using it for something your parents don't want you to do. So when we when we do a sin, we, we, we should come to appreciate and understand that we're taking this godly life that God has given us and using it for something that he doesn't want us to do. Very nice. And now that when we do it, we drag him into it. Tanya describes when you when you when, when we sin, it's like you're taking the king's head and putting it in the toilet. Because when we when we sin, we have a godly soul in us that has to do the act together with us. So again, these are just ideas. Uh, that's not the focus right now. The focus though is that is the general idea that we don't just want to do what God tells us because he's God. We want to learn to appreciate him so that we appreciate that we're doing it. It becomes 
we want to do, we're going to run to do it. And, and, and we don't want to do what goes against him. We come to appreciate it. Not just the simple level of saying, I have to do what he says because he is the king. But appreciating God and appreciating that relationship, um, that is um, the whole idea of uh, Yom Kippur. Any questions before I... Uh, before I um, go on, I guess, to the next little idea over here. Uh, Rabbi? Yes. Is it, it seems from what you were saying, we have, uh, we as human beings, we have to accept our position in, in, in the order of things. Mm -hmm. What I mean is like God is above us. He is our creator and we're somewhere below him. And with the parents, if we, we talk and we say something, we're sitting at the table when we're young and we say, well, who created me? And a mother and father will say, well, we did, but that's not true. God created you. Right. What I'm saying is that we have to accept our order, where we are and what position we are in relation to God. Right. And I would say that is definitely the first step, accepting the order that we're in. And then the second step is appreciating even deeper, not only is God above us, but God is a part of us, would be an additional step. Because we have the godly soul and God is vivifying us every moment, we have to appreciate the order of things in the sense now, to not just God is above us, but God is a part of us. And that creates within us an obligation. And that was, I think, the second step of Yom Kippur. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first step is understanding the order of things. Now with parents, you mentioned parents. Uh, yes, God did create us. It says though that uh, there are three partners in creation. Uh, there's the parents and God. They're all partners. Obviously, God's part is a lot more than the parents. Um, <laughs> um, but nevertheless, because they were partners in it, uh, they get that level of respect. And it's actually interesting, um, the going back to the tablets, you know, it says that the first five commandments on the tablets all relate to the commandments between us and God, and the second five relate to us and other people. And in the first five commandments, there is the commandment to honor your father and mother. And so the question is, why is that commandment between us and God, not a commandment between us and people? And there's many explanations, but one of the explanations is uh, we actually learn how to respect God by respecting our parents. Uh, the first exposure of respect in our lives is to our parents and so when we appreciate and understand and can and, and can respect our parents that can give us the future of respecting god and that could also be possibly why today uh respecting god has gone a little bit to the wayside because respecting parents is also so <laughs> it kind of is all related respecting authority in general um so it's kind of hard for people to appreciate god if they don't appreciate any other authority either um people aren't created in a vacuum but yes good point we, we do have to appreciate the order of things and um that's definitely the heavy theme of rosh hashanah and, and to an extent uh yom kippur too but the, the the shift we make in yom kippur is to try and make it not just that it's something we have to do but something we want to do because we appreciate the relationship because we've come to appreciate that relationship and maybe appreciating the hierarchy of things however we want to put it um, we're going to right now just uh, pivot a little bit 
to um, just so you understand just a little bit, we, we said that the main service in the temple was by the high priest. And just to give an idea what it was like, um, we'll share with you a little bit from what it says, what would go on. What the high priest would do in the temple, it says he would take a coal pan and he, actually the high priest would offer 15 sacrifices on that day. He would go to mikvah, I believe five times or 10 times, I think it's five times. He would switch his clothing 10 times, 15 sacrifices, very, very busy the whole day. And everybody else was there just watching, you know, and you might think, well, what type of Yom Kippur is that? You're just standing there and watching. Well, it still happens till today. Uh, I stand up there and pray and everybody's watching. No, I'm kidding. Um, but it, sometimes I feel like that. Like, well, where, where, where is everybody falling asleep over here? Um, but it's um, when you think about it, it's like kind of a monumental event. Uh, you know, an example is like, you know, when 9-11 happened, we were all, you know, eyes peeled to the screen. When monumental events happen in history, we kind of like search for all the footage. Uh, when Surfside happened, okay, more recently, we're all like looking like at the pictures and the this and that, like, like, why are we doing that? I think because we understand that this is a monumental event that really uh, is going to change everything. And it really has changed. Thank God for the better. You know, they're, they're changing codes and everything, but it's such a earth shattering event that we just feel we need to be there and present. And the same thing as Yom Kippur is it's such a important event for us as the people that all the people were there just to see what would go on. So here's an example. It says uh, the high priest, he would take the coal and pan in his right hand and the spoon in his left hand. And there was different incense in there. The high priest would then walk west of the sanctuary until he reaches the area between the two curtains that separate the sanctuary and the Holy of Holies until he reaches the opening to the north. When he reaches the opening to the north, he enters the Holy of Holies through that opening, turns his face to the south and walks to his left along the curtain until he reaches the area before the ark. So it's just telling you GPS. But basically he's walking with this incense and he enters in the Holy of Holies, okay? When he reaches the Ark, because the Ark was in the Holy of Holies, he places the coal pan between the two staves. So the, the Ark had two poles that people could carry it. Because you remember in the desert, the Ark used to be carried. And so those poles always stayed in the Ark. Anybody ever seen a picture of the Ark here? Yeah, you've seen it. It's got the angels on top. It's kind of a box, and it's got the poles sticking out of it. So... Um, he, um, so you place the coal pan in between the two poles. He piles the incense atop the coals and the whole chamber in its entirety would full of smoke. So you can imagine you pour, you're pouring something atop of coals. He then exits and come out the way he entered. He does not turn around, but leaves the holy police walking while facing the ark. That's a sign of respect. If you see any, when you walk away from somebody you respect, you walk out, you walk away backwards. You try not to turn your back. And he recites a brief prayer in the outer chamber in the sanctuary, and he would not extend his prayer so that there so as not to alarm the Jewish people who would otherwise conclude something happened and he died in the Holy of Holies. So the Holy of Holies is obviously a very special place. And if you go in there and you don't have the holiest intentions, you're not the holiest person, um, you're going to die. In fact, it says during the second temple, there were 200 priests. And we know about five of them were for 150 years. And the, the second temple stood for 420 years. So how do they go through 200 priests? high priest in so few years. This is very interesting. It says that um, the, uh, during the period of the Roman rule over Judea, uh, people would pay for the honor to be the high priest. But you can understand if you're somebody who pays for the honor to be the high priest, uh, you're not a very holy person. 
And uh, so every year they would enter the Holy of Holies, whoever paid for it, then would die. So it was good business for the Romans. I mean, <laughs> every year they get a new person paid to be the high priest. <laughs> but uh, so it says when the high priest would exit, um, he would try not to pray for too long so that nobody would get um, disturbed. Nobody would like say, hey, where's the high priest as he died? And in fact, it says one year the high priest that made a very long prayer and uh, everybody was scared about what happened to him. But regardless, this is, this is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is, uh, the main service was the Holy Holies. The main service was, um, was um, where we want to make the will of God our will. We want that what God wants is what we want. What God desires what we want. What God is pleasure and we have pleasure. We identify with what God wants because he's God. We appreciate him and understand him. But that's not good enough. God wants another step. And I'll put it like this. Um, a lot of people do Judaism, but they don't understand the need to understand it. Okay. They'll say, well, Rosh Hashanah, that's nice. I have my fun time. I sit with the family. It's nostalgia. Um, or the tefillin, I know it brings me blessing, or Shabbat candles, I know it brings peace in the home. I don't need a study about these things. I don't need to study about these mitzvot, these, these commandments that God's got. I know a general idea that's good enough. Obviously, whoever's here in this class, that's not who I'm talking about because you're here at this class. But they <laughs> say preaching to the choir. Um, you know, but some of these people ask, you know, what's, what's, what's the point? You know, I, I just know God wants it. Just got to listen to what God says. Whatever God says we got to do. And I appreciate God. I love God. He does great blessings for me. And I do what he wants. Isn't that the highest form of service? Doing what God wants without trying to understand why? Isn't, wouldn't understanding why be a lower level of service? Wouldn't it be saying, well, I don't fully trust God. I want to understand it, right? I'm a servant of God. I'll do what God wants because he wants it. You might be right, but that's not what God wants. <laughs> God wants you to understand it. God wants you to not only want to do the commandments because you appreciate God, but he wants to do the commandments because you appreciate the mitzvah. God wants us to involve every part of our body and every part of our being in what God wants us to do. So God does not just want our level of will and pleasure to be involved in the mitzvot, but he wants our mind and our intellect and our emotion to be involved in the mitzvot. And the only way to do that is to study about them. And that is why we need the next step. Rosh Hashanah, we listen to God just because he's God. Yom Kippur, we fought, we, now we want to do what God wants because we appreciate who God is. We have a oneness with God, right? The day of Yom Kippur is all about being one with God. I identify with God. That's not enough. God wants you to do it with all your being. And with all your being will mean you're going to have to study about what you're doing. And that's the final crown, the crown of Torah. Well, not the final, but the final of the three. So we have the crown of kingship, accepting God as king. We had the crown of priesthood, that, that oneness with God, the tablets. And now we get to the crown of Torah. So let's read over here, and I will, I will share the screen.
So this is from the uh, liturgy of, uh, oh, did I? Oh yeah, this is from the liturgy of uh, Simcha Torah. Simcha Torah. We say, you know, let me go to the next text first. The crown of priesthood isn't enough either. A person must engage with the crown of Torah. <coughs> the oneness of God, which we strive for, should not engage only our external faculties, like the sense of will and pleasure, but also our inner faculties, beginning with our intellect. The goal is that our mind should understand godliness and become one with it. This is the crown of Torah, because Torah is, as the verse says, your wisdom and understanding, a intellectual pursuit. Which again, you might think, well, that's, that's selfish. That's what God wants of us. Let me just go back here. This is what we say on, on, uh, on, in the liturgy of Simchat Torah. Rejoice and exalt on Simchat Torah and pay homage to the Torah. For its goods are superior to all other goods, more precious than fine gold and gems. Let us delight and rejoice with the Torah, for it is our life, our strength, and our light. So Torah, the study of Torah, is not only important because of the rulings that it gives us of how to behave, but it contains God's wisdom and will. And actually, it says the unity you can gain with God through, under, through studying Torah is greater than listening to God. Why? Because when you listen to God, at the end of the day, there's the person commanding and there's the listener. If you're listening to someone, you're following what someone says, you're doing what they want, you are separate entities. There's the commander and the commandee. You're doing what they want, but there's still a separation there. The, when we study Torah to an extent, the unity we have with God is, is greater than anything else. Why? Because that means I am now having the same thoughts that God has. Right? When I study the Torah, this is God's will. I can study God's will. That means I can think like God thinks. I can have in my mind the same thoughts that God has. Remember, the Torah is God's will. So when I study the Torah, I am now connecting with God's will and what God thinks. And that's a unity and a connection to God, which you can't get just by listening to him. Because by listening to him, there's the commander and the commandee. But regardless, again, this goes back. God wants that we should not only do the commandments because we appreciate God, but he wants us to appreciate the commandments itself. And in fact, Maimonides says, Maimonides says, even the commandments where there is no reason given, we should try and seek to understand it to the best of our ability and try and find lessons in it. Even those commandments that are called chok, like don't mix wool and linen, Right, the commandment, don't mix wool and don't mix milk and meat. It's also a commandment that has no official reason to it. Most of the laws of kosher, actually, uh, don't eat uh, split hooves and feet, whatever, all those things, a lot of those things don't have reason to it. Um, but yet we, 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 we uh, study it and we try and give any reason that we can and um, because that's what God wants of us. And with this, um, we, so to speak, complete the loop of the journey of the high holidays. So let's take a look over here. And then obviously the journey culminates with the goal. So the crown of kingship, Rosh Hashanah, priesthood, and Torah are set in the month of Tishrei. The crown of good name represents the commandments, which are fulfilled all year long. In other words, the crowns of kingship, 
priesthood and Torah, which is Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Simcha Torah, focus on one's personal journey in which one empowers himself with the necessary spiritual power to achieve the goal of the true fulfillment of the mitzvot. This is comparable to the hol holiday month of Tishrei, which is filled with the spiritual energy which carries a person through the year. So again, these three stages empower us the rest of the year to do the commandments of God with all of those things. Accepting the hierarchy, accepting God as king, appreciating who God is, and ultimately understanding the commandments. Now we can appreciate how this is a month which gives us the ammunition. That's not a good word. The uh, food. Uh, I don't know. The, the uh, got to find a better word. For the rest of the year. It really satiates us for the rest of the year because it gives us all the tools that we need to get the good deeds done the proper way through the rest of the year. And don't forget, we have our moments. We have our moments of inspiration. We're inspired by the mitzvah itself. That, what I say, would be the crown of Torah. We have moments where we're inspired about who God is. That would be the crown of priesthood. We have moments where we're not inspired at all, but we do what God wants because we had at least the crown of kingship. Throughout the year, we wax and wane, and we try and pull out from our suitcase all of those feelings that we gathered on the journey of the high holidays. But we need all three. If we're missing one of those three, ultimately, we should always ideally have all three. But when you don't have one, you can fall back on the other. When you don't have two, you fall back on the one. When you don't have one, you fall back on the two. But ultimately, all three of these will enable us to get to the final crown, the crown of good name, which is the crown of good deeds. And um, you may ask, though, um, if all three of these are really just to culminate in um the final crown which is the crown of good deeds why don't we just skip to that why don't we just skip to the crown of good deeds and i think i gave you the answer just now uh but let's read over here the culmination of the journey is the fulfillment of the mitzvot now the fulfillment of the mitzvot focuses on the physical their main goal is not to transform the individual but on the contrary to go out of oneself and one's personal spiritual state and engage with the physical material world for this reason this stage is called the good name a name is something that is used when engaging with another and it is irrelevant to one's personal identity. So what that's saying is, is that um, a good name, a name is something that you don't need for yourself. A name doesn't really identify with you. A name is for others. And in a sense, doing good deeds is not for you. Doing good deeds is for others and is for God. It's your mission in life. Let's, let's read a little further. Um, you know, it's not in here. Um, does it say it? No. Okay. Maybe it was here. Okay, I'm not sure. Um, I was trying to show you something here. Oh, I know, I know. Sorry for pausing over here. Let's move on. I want to present an interesting idea over here. That is like this. Anybody here ever heard of enlightened self-interest? 
get rid of enlightened self-interest. Enlightened self-interest means I could be a better person, but it, and better to others even possibly, but it's because I've enlightened myself that it's in my self-interest to become a better person. Um, in like um, 12 steps, they, they use that line a lot. It was Rabbi Chase Tauber, an interesting book of 12 steps. And 12 steps, they use that a lot. They talk about, you know, how these people have an awakening. It's, they call it enlightened self-interest, which is why it's just a step before religion. But so enlightened self-interest can tell me God is king. I need to listen to him. In other words, me as an ego, as a self, I can understand that, whoa, God is king. I got to listen to him. That's step one. Then I can say, I appreciate that God is my life. I want to do anything for him. Again, that's still a level of enlightened self-interest. You can even come to a third level, which is to say, I now also appreciate all the things that God is telling me to do because I love them. You know, now I appreciate Shabbat. Oh, I've studied all about Shabbat. I love it. Or it's a day of rest, right? So, um, there's something called enlightened self-interest. The, 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 the common theme over there is that there's an I. The I is always there. I understand that God is God. Got to listen to him. I understand that God is my life. I appreciate him. I understand these commandments. I'm going to do them. But when we come to action, um, action is a, another level. Action is another level because good deeds is, so to speak, this is your mission. God is telling you, you know, pause for a moment about all the things you like and what you love about Judaism. Now you have a mission. And we know that a lot of times um, our mission in life takes away from what we really like, so to speak, um, even, even in the religion, right? So, for example, I would love to pray longer. I would love to study longer, but I have a mission and I've. I've got to spend time with the congregation, got to spend time with people. But anybody who works, it's the same thing. Hopefully you all would love to study more, would love to pray more, would love to do all those things. But you, you, everybody has a mission in life. And the mission in life is saying, I'm going to put myself aside and I'm going to do what God wants. So in a sense, when we say the crown of good names supersedes them all, that's because the crown of good name, good deeds, is really the ultimate that removes our ego. When we become mission focused, so we're not talking about people who do good deeds so that other people can uh, look, oh, wow, look, they're such a good person. In fact, if you do that, nobody will look up to you. <laughs> it says, it says in the, elsewhere in the ethics of our fathers, somebody who runs after honor, honor runs away from them. And those who run away from honor, honor runs after them. So that's how it works in life. And so if you're doing good deeds to try and become an honorable person, it's not going to work when we become mission focused. And so to speak, we're putting ourselves aside for the mission that we have. That's when we reach the ultimate pinnacle. And that's why we say the crown of good name supersedes them all because the other one could be a level of enlightened self-interest. There could be a level of I, the level of me. Oh my gosh, God is just almighty. I've got to listen to him. Oh my gosh. I appreciate God so much. I love him so much. I'm going to do what he wants. Oh my gosh. I love this mitzvah so much. Let me do it. And actually, we see sometimes, you know, I, you know, sometimes I, I meet people and you can even have some religious people. Like some people like, oh, man, I, I, I hate going to show. It's so much nicer to be at home and pray at home. And well, I'm not talking about pandemic. OK, it's nicer to be at home 
and, and, and prayed home and nice and quiet, which by the way, pandemic made people realize that like, whoa, why am I going to show? I can be spiritual at home. I can pray at home. But the mission and the crown of good name tells us, yeah, but God wants you sometimes to pick yourself up and go to synagogue. You know, there's a place, a time, a place for everything. So sometimes we do spiritual things that we like, and it may not be the spiritual thing that God wants of us. And ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. And um, that's why the crown of good name supersedes them all, because that's how we know we're truly listening to God, not out of self-interest, but out of what God wants. When I do the crown of good name, when I do those deeds, um, so often you meet people out of enlightened self and out of spirit for spiritual reasons, they're not going to do, uh, they're not going to do what's supposed to be done. So let me, let, let me share on the screen over here, this final stage and most important stage. When the crown of good name, i.e. the fulfillment of mitzvot does not follow the spiritual pursuits of the other three crowns. Um, my. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm a little bit confused over here in my uh, my order. Maybe they. Maybe they. Um, ah, okay, yeah. No, this is okay. Well, the crown of the good name, I, the fulfillment of mitzvahs, does not follow the spiritual pursuits of the other three crowns. It will lack enthusiasm. In that case, the good deeds that he fulfills will supersede the other three pursuits because ultimately, action is the main thing. However, this advantage is only in regards to the fulfillment of God's will, God's desires, a world that is a dwelling place for him, and that objective has been fulfilled. However, it does not achieve the same objective in the soul of the human being. In regards to the person, it cannot be considered a crown. So in other words, the crown of good deeds is what God wants in the world. It's his mission that he has for you in the world. So if you want to look at it like this, the crown of good deeds is what God wants in the world. And the first three crowns are the transformation for you. Okay, so again, the first three crowns are your personal transformation. And then you take the final step in that um, you do the crown of good deeds and you're doing what God wants. But when the fulfillment of the commandments comes after engaging with the first three crowns, a person is able to transform his own persona as well. When the crown of good name is built in the progress of the other three, the crowns of kingship, priesthood, and Torah, not only does the individual merit to fill the will of God, he also elevates his own soul and becomes a crown for him, bringing him to transcendence. So we're adding another point here that I, that I didn't say a moment ago, and that is that in addition, so you, again, so you might ask if the main thing is just to do what God wants, because that totally puts me to the side and I'm just fulfilling what God wants, then just start with that. And so what he's answering here is that, yeah, you can do that. And God will, so to speak, get what he wants out of this world, right? Because you're going to do the deed. God wants mitzvahs to be done in this world, but you will not be elevated as a person. You need to first work on yourself and then you can go out and elevate this world. And that's kind of why the song I'm taking off is really good. Um, that's what it's all about. The holidays is about taking off from the world. The holidays is about taking a break from the world for a little bit to focus on ourselves. It's our journey to elevate ourselves, come to appreciate God more, come to appreciate the commandments more, and then bring our new self into the mission that we do the rest of the year. So could you have one without the other? Yes, but it wouldn't be a complete picture for either for you or for God, right? So you can totally elevate yourself and forget about the crown of good name, but that would be you. <laughs> and it's like, it's like you could do like Tishrei the whole year. So yeah, you'll become a greater and more elevated person, but what God wants in the world is not going to happen. That's why after the month of like breaks with no work, God says, 
go out there and go work, you know, go out there and, and get to the world. But at the same time, God says, but I do want to, I, I want first a month, once I drive you nuts, I, where, I, where I pull you from work and I make you do all these different things because it's really a design to elevate us. And so this is a really a whole new way of looking at the holidays is there, it's, 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 it's a two-stage process that allows us of our mission in the world. We start off with the holidays. That's the time where we elevate ourselves. And then we go on the mission to the world. Why don't we just start with the mission? Because um, if we're an elevated person doing the mission, first of all, for God, if we're an elevated person doing the mission, it's a whole nother thing. But God wants to elevate us too. He doesn't just want to elevate his world. He cares about us. Um, it says, Tanya says that every single one of us is put to this earth. We have three things in the world we have to take care of. You have to elevate your body. You have to elevate your soul and your portion in the world. But Tanya says, you have these three things that we're all put on this earth to do. Again, we have to elevate our body, elevate our soul. You may ask how to you elevate your soul, your soul, soul. Well, actually, your soul becomes greater after it comes to this world because before it was on this world, it had no temptation, no nobody to clash heads with. It comes to this world and it, and it succeeds on its mission, it, it becomes elevated. And the third thing we elevate is the world around us. And so if you want to put it Tishrei, is the time when we elevate our body and our soul. It is to an extent a focus on ourselves. Of course, we don't forget the world around us. I'm not saying that we never ever drop the ball in the world around us, but it's a transformational journey for ourselves. Starting off with Rosh Hashanah, appreciate God as King. Continuing with Yom Kippur, sorry, starting with Rosh Hashanah, uh, knowing that God is our King. Continuing with Yom Kippur, appreciating. God, that he is our king and our life and our life force and everything that he does for us. Becoming one with God, that, that loving bond. And then culminating with Simchat Torah, when we appreciate and understand um, and we come to appreciate the mitzvot and the commandments. We study them and we understand them and we sit. And then finally, we move on to the year and we say, we're going to take all these things that we've taken from the high holidays. And we've only presented three things. There's many other things you can take from the high holidays. We're going to take all these things that we've gathered during these high holidays. Yeah. God put them all together for a reason. He wants to elevate us so that we are elevated people that are going to go out and elevate the world. If we don't elevate the world, then the tissue was also a waste of time. Then the elevation of ourselves, what was that for? God says, I don't need that. We need to have everything. <laughs> That's really what Judaism is about. Can't have one without the other. You gotta have it all. You gotta have it all. You gotta elevate yourself. You gotta elevate the world around you. People say, well, what's more important? Well, who cares? Do both. All right. Deed is more important. But do you really want to be an empty person doing the deeds? You gotta, your tank is gonna run empty. You have to go through the motions of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And um, I'll give an example. Um I like to go uh, hiking. I like hiking. One of the things, uh, but usually when I look for a hike, I look for a hike where people cannot drive to the top. It bugs me to no end when I just sweated my tachas off, climbed all the way to the top, and there's somebody, oh, let me, oh, let me go see the observation tower. Oh, wow, that's, wow, look at the nice view. Let me take a couple pictures. I, I don't want a part of that. 
if I've worked for it, that's where I want to be. You know, it's not comparable, the views. And you know, the views are not comparable if you've hiked it or if you've driven it. The views are that much more sweet when you hike it. And uh, although you can get better views, um, you know, probably Googling. Okay, you get better pictures, you Google. Uh, my grandmother says she's 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 touring the world on her TV. Some show she watches where it shows all the uh, the Venice and everywhere. She tours Europe every day. She tours a different city. Okay, it's nice, but it's not the same. It's not the same, right? It's not the same as being there. So we can do the good deeds, but you gotta gotta you want to really hike it first. You want to do the, the the hard work. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Sukkot. We got to do it all. And hopefully as you join us for the rest of the holidays, you'll come to appreciate more about the holidays. And um, remember that we're, we're, we're trying to pack our bags now, bring that inspiration and uh, carry it to the rest of the year. And hopefully we will all be better people once this holiday season is over. And if we're better people and we do our mission, we'll be doing our mission better. And uh, we'll do what God wants better. And we'll make this world a brighter, better and happier place. And that's my spiel for tonight thank you for coming i'm going to stop the facebook if anybody wants to ask questions on zoom you may and um that's the deal